A podcast where we don't see movies, so you don't have to. Um, do we have any more uh, good slogans? I feel like that we you can remember. I feel like we developed a slogan. We tested it in the lab. It went okay, and then someone copy edited us. I can't remember, but it was it was something oh, like right. not seeing movies since you know 1962 something. or whatever it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and yes, and then a family member of mine didn't understand what a good slogan it was. Yeah, we'll have to look that up again. That was a good slogan. Anyway, we have a couple good slogans. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the uh, movie Blonde, directed by Andrew Dominic, and which we didn't see. I didn't see it. Did you see it? I just want to make sure before we start. I did not see this movie. I didn't either. And I'm and um, I'm here to I'm here to talk about it. So I guess I'll I'll just kick it off by reviewing or sort of reviewing this movie that I didn't see. Um, so Blonde is a movie about a woman who is uh, Marilyn Monroe, who is uh, really fucked up. And I'm not, I'm not saying Marilyn Monroe is really fucked up. I'm saying the person it represented in the movie is really fucked up. I think I haven't seen the movie. I don't know. It's about this person, Marilyn Monroe, who's really fucked up. And the story of her fucked upness uh, is going to be that she suffered from too much sexism because she was too beautiful. It was a convergence of beauty and sexism that was insupportable by the human experience. So this causes lots of problems for her. People are cruel to her. Uh, she, she can't handle it. And this is, this is fascinating to people because beauty... How can somebody who is so beautiful be treated so cruelly, but we sort of love watching it because it's like this paradox of beauty and cruelty. And I mean, I don't love watching it. I didn't go see it, but I don't know. There's this idea that people might love watching because they've made so many movies about Marilyn Monroe. There's a whole Wikipedia page of like 900 movies they've made about Marilyn Monroe. So this is clearly something people want to see or it seems that they want to see. I will not be seeing it. And I feel that the theme of this movie... And I'm not saying this is what Marilyn is not what Marilyn Monroe represents, but how she sort of represented in this movie or many movies is best represented by a movie uh, line in a movie that I have seen, Heather's, which is Jesus God in heaven, why'd you have to kill such hot snatch? So that's why I'm not seeing this movie because I already saw Heather's, and I feel like that's kind of what this movie is maybe about, and I don't need to see it. Thank you, Sarah Miller. I found this movie, which I did not see, so demoralizing that it's a little bit difficult, a little bit difficult for me to talk about. In general, we tend to not see on this podcast quite a few biopics, which is to say, in general, it's a genre that I think it's fair to say that both of us don't especially care for. So the likelihood we're going to not see a biopic is pretty high. Not surprising in this case. I'm not going to haul out my standard complaints about the biopic. Uh, I'm getting tired of them, to be honest. Moreover, I don't want to dwell too much on how Marilyn Monroe, who seems cool enough to me, I don't have super special feelings about her, but she seems cool enough, right? Um, and, and in some sense, one of the things interesting about her is that she was you know, visually or sexually 
uh, which are not the same thing, uh, very appealing, and yet turned out to be you know, quite gifted, talented, intellectually interested, curious person. Uh, and that, you know, is somehow gripping to people. This movie, uh, which I did not see, seems to me to do a tremendous disservice to anything interesting and decent about her life as a human. And, and I find that pretty demoralizing, so I don't want to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about instead for the next two minutes is alt-country. Now, uh, uh, some will know, I hate alt-country. Don't get me wrong. There's some bands that qualify as alt-country that I really like in some way, like that band Uncle, Uncle Tupelo almost defined or helped found the genre, and I love Uncle Tupelo as well as its der- derivatives uh, in, in certain ways. Uh, and, and they're not the only alt-country band I like. That said, as a genre, I hate alt-country, and here's why. I think alt-country, which is sometimes called neurodepression, it has a series of names. I often refer to it as NPR country because it's country music that you can play for the intelligentsia. And the problem of the intelligentsia, I don't want to buy too much into like coastal elite discourse here, but the problem of the intelligentsia uh, in some sense, uh, aesthetically, is they are dismissive of and anxious about art that they associate with people of a lower class than them, to, to, to put it in the simplest but not inaccurate terms uh, at all. And so the intelligentsia is pretty sure, without having listened to it, that they hate country music. And especially they hate contemporary country music. Everyone's like, oh, I love Johnny Cash or whatever, because that's all signed off on. But everyone's pretty sure they hate contemporary country music or modern country music, even though they don't know anything about it. And you had an excellent column uh, on a very much similar topic uh, quite recently. Uh, And and so the the problem is you have these people who are cutting themselves off from country music, one of the great aesthetic genres in the world, problematic, absolutely so. Uh, Aesthetically spectacular on many, many occasions, absolutely. And and they can't tolerate it, they cut themselves off from it. So there has to be some way that they can consume it and feel okay about it, the pleasures of country. And the way is to make it kind of artsy, NPR friendly, uh, slightly, you know, literally classier. So this sort of petty bourgeois aesthetic can enjoy it. And I think that particular set of cultural exchanges or mechanics that are designed to make proletarian art fucked up as it might be in various ways, sort of disguised, processed, and sympathetic to people who identify themselves as having refined and artistic tastes, I find that whole mechanism pretty repulsive. And I think that among other things that are demoralizing about this movie, Blonde, is it does a version of that, right? Which is, it's sort of like meh porn for people who don't want to admit they're consuming porn and need to have it sort of artsified so that their own sort of impulses or interests, and you know, I'm not anti-porn in any particular way, uh, but the idea that it's sort of this shameful category that has to be repressed, but then consumed under the edifice of a slightly artsy, I guess Andrew Dominic has a rep as being somewhat artistic, but it's NC-17. That whole cultural mechanism is the same, basically, as the alt-country mechanism. It's making this category people feel shame about, okay for them to consume. And I kind of just feel like, 
deal with it. Do it. Don't be compelled to make some really fucked up, insulting, abusive, uh, desecrating movie about the perfectly swell, great, excellent Marilyn Monroe so that you can like have that experience. That is my review of this movie. Thank you for sitting through it. You've been very patient. You can perhaps feel my passion through the podcast. It's really happening. And to dim it a little bit, we're going to move to our question and answer phase. As longtime listeners, of which I know there are many out there, know in the second half of the podcast, we ask each other five questions. The first three questions, both of us answer. They're preset. We've changed our three questions fairly recently. Thanks again to our, our most beloved uh, listeners who, who suggested and supplied these questions, which we were very glad to make use of. We're grateful for those contributions. Uh, and uh, the first, so these first three questions are preset. We'll both answer them. Then we'll each have prepared two bespoke questions uh, specifically for the other person. And then we are going to GTFO here. So let me ask the first question. Sarah Miller, if you could retitle this movie to reflect what you don't like about it, what would you call it? I would call it yet another movie about Marilyn Monroe, possibly even worse than all of the other ones. I like it. Joshua Clover, if you could retitle this movie to reflect what you don't like about it, what would you call it? In keeping with my review, I think I would call it Art Tart. Kind of cheap, but it rhymes. Give me a rhyme. Let me have it. Let's move on. Um, Second second question. Yeah, I really like that. Okay. Sarah Miller, what will you do with the time you now have from not watching this movie? Well, I'd like to say something like, I'll be watching great Marilyn Monroe movies like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which I think I saw once, but I probably won't be doing that because I'm going to be busy writing articles about watches. So the answer is writing articles about watches. Yeah, that's probably the problem with this question. It's an excellent question, but the honest answer over and over again is going to be like catching up on my work. I'm going to give a somewhat different uh, answer. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that you don't like my answer, but you can you have an opportunity to give a better answer now, and I'm sure our audience will appreciate, will appreciate it. I feel I was giving you an answer credit for realness, whereas I'm giving a sort of fake answer. Uh, okay, but, go but ahead. But I, I hope you'll be, you'll be patient with me. Uh, and I, think, I feel this is going to be, again, exciting news for our longtime listeners. I have downloaded and am ready to watch Bodies, 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 a movie that we came very close to and then did review. And, and we always are very honest with our audience. Didn't see it means didn't see it at the time of. We, we might see these movies later. It's always a possibility. And this time, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen tonight. I'm going to watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I will give a report back briefly uh, at our next podcast after I re-listen to our Bodies, Bodies, Bodies episode to see how much we nailed it. Let's move on to the third question, the last of the preset questions. Sarah Miller, would a musical number make this movie better or worse? I think it would make it better. And I would like to see uh, in the middle of this movie with no explanation... 
I would like to see everyone in the movie except for Marilyn Monroe, uh, except for, you know, Ana de Armas. Like, everyone on the set, everyone, uh, everyone in the film, everyone, everyone. I'd like to see them sing Goodbye English Rose, which is the version of <laughs> Goodbye Norma Jean that, they, that Elton John rewrote when Lady Di uh, was killed. Um, and... Uh, I don't know. I just, I just, I like, I, 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 I just like the idea of, of the non uh, sequiturness of it, and a choral goodbye English rose, an amateur choir singing goodbye English rose. What could be more beautiful? It's true. I on this question had more or less the same answer. Now I, I committed early on when we adopted this question to always answering yes. It's hard for me to imagine any any movie that would be made worse by having a musical numbers because I, Joshua Clover, love musical numbers. I'm just going to be honest with you about that. I'm actually going to assume this movie has musical numbers. I mean, who knows? And, uh, you know, I know that the movie, or I, I, I gather from reading reviews, it's, it's, it's misery porn, among other things. Nonetheless, Marilyn Monroe, it's, going to, it's got to cover the movies. She had numerous, very, very famous musical numbers. It may well have them. Uh, but my wish, and... You were way ahead of me on this, right? Is that instead of having those, uh, reproducing those in a in a way that I'm going to stick with my you know adjective of demoralizing, instead of doing those in a demoralizing way, they just cut away to an Elton John concert, let the Elton John song have it, and then cut back to the movie just without explanation. Just do it; it would be better. So that's what I'm going with. We've made it through our first three questions, and we are ready to move on. What I think is the highlight, and we've put the highlight at the end. I which agree. Is, which is where we develop what we've come to call bespoke special questions uh, to each asked to the other, questions that will never be asked again, that have never been asked before. Uh, and so this is the one time to enjoy these questions. I'm going to ask you the first one, if that's okay. Yes, it is. So this question is designed so that you could have either one or two answers. It's up to you. Who is your favorite blonde actor, current and or all time? Let's see. Well, I really love, I'm not going to be able to like figure out who my favorite blonde actor is because it'll take me too long. So I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say my favorite blonde actor is, I'm assuming actor is, is both genders, any gender. Any gender. Okay. Any gender. Um, my favorite blonde actor is Gwyneth Paltrow in Country Strong. And uh, God, I love that movie. And, and, and oh, and I get to have two answers? Well, I was giving you a chance to have like sort of an all-time classic. You could have reached back to the, you know, the early days of cinema. And then like current, like who's working now, who's blonde, who you are very fond of. Oh, God, I can't think of anyone right now who's blonde who I'm very fond of. Although, I mean, the only reason I would have seen this movie is because I just think Ana de Armas is, like, incredibly beautiful and also a really good actress. And it seems like she's pretty good in this. Um, and uh, I know she's not blonde, but she's blonde in this movie. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I would have liked to have seen her be blonde in this movie if I were going to see this movie, which I'm not. 
totally legitimate answer in my opinion. Not that I'm the final arbiter, but by my lights, that was legit. Thank you, I'm ready for my first bespoke question. Okay, so uh, this is kind of a lifestyle question. Um, uh, yeah, I just can't help it. I'm working in luxury now, so I just, I just can't stop thinking about lifestyle. If you had to read uh, Blonde, I'm assuming you have not read Blonde, the Joyce Carol Oates book on which novel on which this is movies based uh, or whatever. If you had to read that book, what would you do? How would you spend that day so that 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 the experience of it would be like the would the the misery of reading that book would be mitigated like by some of your activities? What would you you know? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Much, much to think about, as we say. I will preface my answer, by which I mean I will stall while trying to come up with an answer, by telling a story, which is that I once sat next to Joyce Carol Oates at some literary event or another, and we had a brief conversation. I wish to say, although she's not a writer whose works I've had much engagement with and the engagement I've had, not my kind of thing, Perfectly fine as a person, perfectly pleasant to have a conversation with sit, sit, uh, uh, sitting next to her. I think that the way I want to answer your question is with via physical activity in some regard. Uh, I know that Joyce Carol Oates used to go running in Princeton, like go running around Princeton, was famous for going running through Princeton while, while wearing a long, a long skirt, which just seems hard, right? Like running, I've never done it, but it seems challenging going running in a long skirt. But uh, she was well known for that in Princeton. In honor of that, I imagine I would break up my reading by trying to do sort of physical things. I'm not much of a runner these days, but you know, I'd go to the pool, swim a little bit, come back and read. I like your idea that I could knock off that book in one day. It's a Joyce Carol Oates novel. That means it ain't short. Uh, and I'm reading pretty slowly these days. I think that might take a little bit of while. So uh, several trips to the pool, but that would be my move. It would be physical activity. I know that's not the greatest lifestyle activity, but... That's that's what I got for you. No, that's you know. I just want honesty. That's all we can ask for as as um, people who write about lifestyle is is honesty. Actually, that's not true at all. But in your case, it is. <laughs> yeah, when I when I think about uh, you, you know um, the best writing about high value luxury goods, honesty is the first ag- adjective that I, <laughs> that I that I go with. Yeah, that's why I that's why I excel at it. Um, so wait, now whose turn is it? Okay, I, you just I just asked you something. Now you ask me something. I am. I'm going to ask you the last bespoke question. Okay. And we've already sort of, in some sense, wandered around the grounds of this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Who, for you, Sarah Miller, is the novelist or director, constructed in your mind as you will, who is the novelist or director to do justice to Marilyn Monroe? Uh, oh, you mean not that they've already done it, but they could. No, exactly. If you were, if in the future, uh, let's, let's assume the perfect Marilyn Monroe uh, artwork that somehow represents her or is a tribute yeah. to her. And we're, of course, going to bracket uh, the Madonna video, which is clearly the peak Monroe tribute. But in the future, if you could imagine some version of the Marilyn Monroe story or some part of that story being made as a book or a movie... Who do you think is the novelist, any, any novelist ever, or director, any director ever, who could pull it off? I'm trying to think if I can think of anyone really funny who is 
a novelist that would do a good job. You know, I would like to see Andrea Longchu write a novel about Marilyn Monroe. I think it would be really great. Amazing answer. I know that she doesn't write novels yet, but I love her uh, writing. Um, I think she's really funny. Yeah, I think Andrea Longchu could write a great novel about Marilyn Monroe. Amazing answer. Totally. Actually, you know what I'd really like is I'd like Andrea Longchu to write a novel about Andrea Longchu writing a novel about Marilyn Monroe. Like, maybe even no. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm I I feel like I've finally aged out of the like meta novel category, but maybe not. I'm open minded. You know what would be cool is have the. I've always wanted to see a novel that was. Somebody writing the novel and then somebody writing a novel about writing the novel. I haven't seen that yet, really. The novel and then... Has somebody written that yet? Where there's the novel and then there's the person writing the meta-narrative about writing the novel. And then the novel and you... It's like every other chapter. I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like that does exist. I mean, like, I feel like that was like a lot, of the, a lot of the 80s or something like that when like, people really, had really like, successfully named postmodernism. And and we're just like doing it, and I bet I bet, you know, I'm not thinking of it right now, but I bet there's thirty of that novel out there. Yeah, you're probably right. I guess I just Andrea Longchu would just I would just like to see more more of her in the in the book. So I just like that would be great. All of it, the novel, and then the Andrea Longchu in the novel. It would just be that would be really good. I would read that. So, uh, my last bespoke question: uh, the Bob Dylan album Blonde on Blonde came out in like 1965-ish, 1966-ish, which is a couple years, two or three years after Marilyn Monroe died. I'm going to let you kind of, you know, riff on this a little bit in the sense that I'm going to ask you, first of all, I'd like to know what your favorite and or your least favorite tracks are from that album. And then also, if you'd like to, this is optional, extra credit, if you'd like to relate the album Blonde on Blonde to the film blonde um that would be great i thank you for this spacious generative generous all those adjectives we say uh question i have you know i think like a lot of whatever like pseudo intellectual white guys i have feelings about blonde on blonde uh, it's an album i've lived with for a lot for a lot of my life so much so that i haven't listened to it in years i can confess and at the same time would defend it as, you know, one of the more more compelling albums I've listened to uh, in my life. I'm going to go ahead and say my favorite song. I think this is uh, actually, a, in some sense, a, a kind of basic choice for people like me is the song Visions of Johanna, sort of surrealist, uh, beautiful, lyrical song. Uh, I, th- I think probably it's only a real competition would be Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. You kind of have to get with just for its monumental scope. But also that Sad-Eyed Lady is just so sad. Like I'm trying to imagine how sad you would have to be to listen to Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands and not have it just drag you down to hell. Uh, um, uh, and then my least favorite... You know, I always found that song, Leopard Skin, Pillbox Hat, to be sort of on the verge of trivial. 
there's a lot of kind of casual and less casual misogyny on the record. Uh, but Leopard Skin Pillbox Hat is is maybe the like the most casual and and sort of mean spirited ver- version of it. Uh, so that would probably be my choice. And that maybe gets to the other part of the the question you asked of like blonde on blonde and and blonde. I do want to say at this moment to interrupt these things, uh, just somehow between these, I don't know why it feels to me like it fits here, but as I was preparing for our podcast, as I, of course, spent hours, weeks in preparation for every podcast, I was, you know, reading around and I was reading about Marilyn Monroe's half-sister, who uh, is, is known in Wikipedia simply for having written a book about being Marilyn Monroe's half-sister, which is kind of a sad fate. And in fact, undersells the fact that Marilyn Monroe's half-sister, Bernice, married someone named Paris Miracle. And I don't feel like that gets enough play, that there was a human being out there named Paris Miracle, and that they married Marilyn Monroe's half-sister. I don't know why I feel like that goes with the linking to Bob Dylan, but like Paris Miracle, sort of like one of those nutty names that could maybe come up in a Bob Dylan fantasia but the thing that I, you know, blonde on blonde, it, 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 right? It's it's a deeply personal, quote unquote, record. It's mostly about his wife, uh, Sarah, uh, as as best we know from the many many books about it. Uh, so it's a little bit hard to relate it to a different a different figure. That said, it it, it seems to me like like one of the interesting things about Blonde on Blonde is, right, he decided that he tried to record in New York, didn't work out, decided he had to go to Nashville, record with various members of the Nashville A-team, these sort of famous Nashville figures, his famous Nashville studio, and try and do his own thing there. There's something interesting in that to me that maybe matches up a little bit with, like, Marilyn going to Hollywood. Like, Marilyn has to go to Hollywood, in fact, has to go to the same corporate entity that Bob Dylan is recording for at this time and fit herself into that mold, but find out what it it can make of her and she can make of it. I don't know. This is one of those things that is worth either one sentence or, uh, you know, 5,000 words. And I'm definitely not going to give it 5,000 words. So I'm going to let it be at that. And thank you for that question. I hope I haven't gone like too Dylanology on it. No, I think that that was perfect. Just like everything that happens here at Didn't See It, Don't Need To. That's the spirit. All right. Well, we have now come to the end of our uh, program today. Thank you so much for joining me, Joshua. I'm always happy to be here. I'm looking forward to what we don't see next. I am too. Um, There will be plenty of movies for us to not see. That is for sure. They keep making them. So... Thank you to our editor, Erica Heilman, and thank Thank you you to our music person, Chuck Lindo. Love you, Chuck. Thank you to our graphics person, Rebecca Ackerman, who made that little, like, film strip thing, and then it says the name of our show. Rebecca Rules. Um, I will uh, talk to you soon, and uh, keep watching and not watching movies. I know you will. I'm looking forward to both those activities and to discussing them with you. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.